Welcome to Life Point Plus, a program dealing with marriages and family. We are so glad you're listening. Here's your host, pastor and teacher, Gary Moore. Welcome to Life Point Plus. I'm your host, Gary Moore. We are looking at Gary Chapman's book, The Four Seasons of Marriage. We closed last week's broadcast as we began to look at strategy number two of the seven strategies to enhance the seasons of your marriage. Strategy number two is choose a winning attitude. According to our author, the most common mistake couples make is allowing negative emotions to dictate their behavior. By failing to recognize the power of a positive attitude, they fail to achieve their marriage's highest potential. We were looking in on Marilyn and Bruce. Without realizing it, Marilyn has been sabotaging her marriage with a negative attitude. She has allowed the emotions of hurt, anger, and feelings of neglect to control her behavior toward Bruce. She has been verbally critical of him and the time he spends on the job, often saying such things as, You let the company take advantage of you. You don't make any extra money for all the hours you invest. You ought to demand that they pay you more. On other occasions, she has focused on his neglect of the children. How do you expect to have a positive influence on our boys when you don't spend any time with them? The fact that Bruce played ball with the boys every Sunday afternoon and sometimes took them on business trips with him was overlooked in Marilyn's verbal tirades. Bruce's attitude was also affected. I don't do anything right, he said. No matter what I do, it's never enough. So I've just quit trying to please her. I tune her out when she gets into her long speeches. I just wish the boys didn't have to live in such a negative household. Bruce is also focusing on Marilyn's weaknesses and ignoring her strengths. The hours she spends tending to the household and helping the boys with homework are in the back of his mind. But what occupies his attention and guides his thinking are his focus on her angry lectures. You know, all this could change if Bruce and Marilyn would choose a winning attitude. At the moment, they are continuing to perpetuate the winter season of marriage by their negative thinking toward each other. Well, what is involved in choosing a winning attitude? First, we must acknowledge our negative thinking. You know, most of us tend to rationalize and excuse our negative attitudes. We say, well, how do you expect me to react when they treat me like that? Or, as one woman said while pointing her finger at her husband in Gary's counseling office, Yes, I have a negative attitude and there's a reason for it. He's sitting right there. As long as we rationalize our negative attitudes as legitimate, they will never change. If, however, we are tired of winter and would like to feel the hope of springtime again, we must recognize that our negative thinking must change. Our thinking guides our behavior. If we think negatively, we will behave in destructive ways. But if we think positively, our actions will be positive as well. According to our author, the second step toward a winning attitude is identifying your spouse's positive characteristics. Make a written list. 
Ask God to bring to your mind all the positive things about your spouse and then write them down. Enlist the help of your children by saying something like this. I'm working on changing my attitude toward your father or mother and I'm trying to identify some of his positive traits. Would you tell me the things you like about your father, the things you appreciate and admire? I want to make a list. Not only will you get good feedback from your children, but you will also influence their thinking to turn in a positive direction. If your spouse has physically or verbally abused your children, Gary suggests you might preface your question by saying something like this. I know that you feel hurt by your father in many ways, and so do I. But I'm trying to change my attitude and give him credit for the positive contributions he makes to our lives, and I need your help. The third step is to focus on those positive traits. Begin by thanking God for each one. If you are deeply hurt and want to recount to God your hurts before you give thanks, that's perfectly okay. Your prayer might sound something like this. Dear God, you know how my husband or wife treats me. You know the pain, hurt, and anger I feel. But I thank you that he or she is not all bad. Here are the things for which I want to give thanks. I thank you that he, she, and then list them. Go through your list every day thanking God for your spouse's positive characteristics. Ask God to turn your thinking toward the positive. Tell your spouse that you are tired of your negative, condemning messages toward him or her. Acknowledge that those negative speeches have not helped the situation and that you intend to stop them. A fourth step is to ask God to give you a biblical perspective of your spouse. Review the five characteristics of a Christian worldview we talked about last week and begin to thank God for these five realities. Ask God to give you a new, positive attitude. Thank God that your spouse is made in the image of God and is therefore extremely valuable. Thank God that your spouse is uniquely gifted by God. Thank God that your spouse has a unique role to play in the kingdom of God. Thank God that you have the opportunity to serve your spouse and to help your spouse accomplish more of his or her potential in the kingdom of God. Begin to express verbal appreciation to your spouse for the positive things that you see. Gary suggests setting a goal such as one compliment a week for the first month, then two compliments per week the second month, then three per week the third month, and so on until you work up to at least a compliment a day. Proverbs 18.21 reads, The tongue has the power of life and death. You can give your marriage new life when you begin to express verbal appreciation to your spouse. When you replace condemnation and criticism with words of affirmation, something inside your spouse will begin to warm toward you. In due time, he or she will begin to think of you in a more positive light when more positive behavior will soon follow. This is not manipulation. It is simply the natural result of feeling appreciated. You know, I can hear some of you saying, but what about my spouse's negative behavior? My attitude is not going to change that. 
Gary says, maybe not right away, but a positive attitude on your part will set in motion relational dynamics that create an atmosphere in which your spouse's behavior can change for the better. Simply stated, a positive attitude expressed in positive affirmations tends to create a positive response. The ice of winter begins to melt, and the hope of spring is born. This is not deep psychology or profound theology. It is simply common sense. Choose a winning attitude, and you are more likely to win. Tell yourself that you can be a better spouse, and you will become one. Tell yourself that your spouse can make positive changes, and he or she will. Tell yourself that, with God's help, you will see spring again, and you are far more likely to see it. Choosing a winning attitude works in all four seasons of marriage. If your marriage is in winter, it can start you on the road to spring. In a fall marriage, choosing to focus on your spouse's positive qualities can reopen the lines of communication and keep your marriage from fading into winter. In a spring or summer marriage, adopting a positive attitude will result in a further blossoming of your relationship and will help to establish a warmer climate in your marriage. Well, now let's turn our attention to strategy number three of the seven strategies to enhance the seasons of your marriage. Strategy number three from our author, Gary Chapman, is learn to speak your spouse's love language. Gary says that he was standing in a grocery store checkout line one day when he glanced over at the magazine rack. Of the 20 different magazines displayed there, 17 had the word love at least once on the cover. If you watch the daytime soaps or primetime TV or check the sales statistics on romance novels, you will have all the evidence you need that Western culture is obsessed with love. Yet despite all the talk about love, the reality is that thousands of children go to bed every night feeling unloved by their parents. Thousands of husbands and wives go to bed feeling unloved by their spouse. Our culture is largely ignorant of the true nature of love and its effect on human relationships. Nothing holds more potential for changing the season of your marriage than learning the truth about love. Gary says that part of the problem is that we use the word love rather loosely. Listen to any conversation on the street and you're likely to hear statements like these. I love hot dogs. I love the beach. I love my baby. I love the mountains. I just love my new sports car. I love my mother. I love my dog. I love the zoo. Is it any wonder, he says then, that when a husband says to his wife, I love you, honey, she's not sure what to make of his statement. Love is an essential human need. Whether we're educated or uneducated, we know instinctively that children need to feel loved. Gary says he likes to describe each child as having an emotional love tank. When the love tank is full, that is, when the child genuinely feels loved by the parents, the child grows up normal and well-adjusted. But when the love tank is empty, the child grows up with many internal struggles. 
During the teenage years, these children will go looking for love, typically in all the wrong places. Well, our time is gone for today. Be safe and have a great weekend. God bless. Thank you for listening today. This program is brought to you by Cloverdale Church of God. If you would like to reach Pastor Gary, please email him at pastorgary at cloverdalechurch.org. To know more about the church, go to our website at www.cloverdalechurch.org. Thanks for listening and be blessed.